Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Welcome to a new episode, my friends. We are already more than halfway through January. I hope your January is spectacular so far. In general, I consider myself to be someone who's great at synthesizing information. So I take a lot of input and I kind of reconfigure them and I put them out in what I hope are connected and helpful ways. I'm not really someone who comes up with original content. I'm not someone who creates my own theory. I tend to be someone who leans heavily on the many giant who have come before me. And then the other thing I tend to dive into is my own narrative. And so I don't intend to be self-indulgent with this podcast, but what I talk about is usually something that's either going on in my life or something that's come up in the room over the last week or two with clients, which again, then by proxy is something that's going on in my life. And so as I talk about grief today, I am going to share some personal anecdotes and the intent is not to be self-indulgent, but more just offering up some Um, personal evidences that we can endure hard things. And I want to start with a quote from Henry Cloud from his book, Necessary Endings. I highly encourage you to read this book. If you are in leadership, if you are someone who's in business and you struggle with making the best decisions for your company, if you're someone who in your personal life, you know that something needs to be over, but you're not sure how to grapple with it or put it into words, it's such a good book. And it's one of the first that I read again early in the separation process to just kind of bracket my understanding of the pain, but also the opportunity that new beginnings have store for us and that bitter endings have in store for us. And his quote is as follows, and it's a touch lengthy here, but he's talking about grief. He says, the grieving process is a mental and emotional letting go. What that means is to face the reality that it is over, whatever it is, and to feel the feelings involved in facing that reality. It means to come out of denial and numbness emotionally and feel whatever you feel. The reason that helps, though, is that grief has movement to it. It goes somewhere. It goes forward. Feeling the anger helps get the protest out of the way, and feeling the sadness helps move the letting go further along. It gets people unstuck. When people do not feel their feelings, positive and negative, about something significant that has ended, they will remain tethered to it in some way. That is why the feelings involved in grief are unique. Unlike emotions that do not take us anywhere and in fact can keep us stuck, the feelings of grief have forward motion to them. When you feel grief, you are saying, I am looking this reality right in the face and dealing with it. The reality that this, whatever this is, is over, finished. Grief also means I am getting ready for what is next because I am finishing what is over. And so as we talk about grief today, and as I dive into a little bit of my own grieving process, we can grieve what is, what was, and we can also grieve what will never be. And so there are many different places where our emotions can go and our sadness can go and our anger can go and our grief can go. It can be about bad changes. It can be about unexpected loss. It could be about expected loss. It could even be about good changes. And there's still going to be grief involved because changes include some type of loss. And loss and change involve grief. It's a normal part of life. But one of the issues we run into is how often we can resist it or how often we can numb ourselves 
ourselves to the big feelings that come with grief. Now, unfortunately, there are many things that can trigger our grief. One thing that triggers for many people is sensory details. So certain smells can conjure up a memory and connect us with our grief. Certain weather patterns can bring up nostalgia and we reflect back on a different time and some sort of loss that we've experienced. Certain seasons and time of year, certain foods and drinks. This last weekend, even as I was putting together a few playlists on Spotify, there was this sense of nostalgia and this deep sense of sadness as I came across some particular songs and they hit me like a lead balloon. And one of the ways I would anecdotally share about grief in my own life is in 2016, I had talked on previous episodes about when we lost my mother-in-law. But as we come into spring and summer and fall of 2017, I just remember being triggered a variety of times because of the sensory things that were going on. So a cool spring day reminded me of the time where we took her to Lake Michigan because one of the things on her bucket list was to go to the beach one last time. And so between chemotherapy and radiation treatments, we found a day where she was feeling pretty well overall. And we took her an hour and a half drive away and we hauled her wheelchair out as far as we could. And she had to be bundled up in a a bunch of different layers just, just so she could tolerate the wind, even though it was a pretty warm day. So sensory details brought that to me throughout the summer of 2017 and even some uh, subsequent summers after that. As we got into fall and there was a Christmas in the air, I was reminded of when we hired a horse and carriage to come to the house where we lived up in Kent City. And this was another thing on her bucket list where she just wanted to be in a horse-drawn carriage. And so we found a local company that came up and we were able to heave her into the carriage. And that was just such a mighty feat because she was so weak and so unwell by that point in time. And each of her sons were able to get in the carriage with her and they were able to take a little jaunt around the block. And it was this beautiful memory, but it was also this tragic memory. It was just so difficult to know that we were checking off things she wanted to be true, but we were checking them off because her life was almost over. And within a few short weeks, we have the the turn of the season happening and we have the leaves are falling and now she's on hospice and soon she passes away. And every year around fall, I can get this heaviness in my chest and this sadness And it shows up against my will just because of the time of year and the sensory triggers and they pull me back to that really, really difficult season. Related to that, the calendar can be so triggering for us. I mentioned over the holidays just how difficult Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's can be for people who are in a season of grief. But all throughout years of loss, there's going to be things that come up. There's going to be people's birthdays that maybe we think about and it brings a heaviness. There's going to be things that were supposed to be on the calendar that no longer are because that person's not in our life anymore. There's going to be holidays. There's going to be anniversaries. There's going to be things that we mourn because they're over and we grieve because they never will be again. And that's just the reality of it. And the calendar for me this last week was really, really difficult to kind of wrestle with because in January, it's my ex-husband's birthday. And so that just took place this last week. And I was acutely aware for the first time in a decade, I wasn't the one celebrating celebrating it with him. And that felt tragic. And then I had a friend reach out to me and she said, did you know that next month is already the one year anniversary of when we all went on? We didn't go on a trip together, but we met friends down in Florida. And it was the final trip that he and I took together. And it was actually a trip that felt really promising and really encouraging. And so we're coming up to the one year anniversary of that. And then you grieve what was and what is and what will never be. And then in March, we run to the one year anniversary of our separation. And so 
And so the calendar and the awareness of the calendar is driving a whole host of big feelings over this last weekend. Another place where we can experience grief is when we have unexpected encounters with people or even expected encounters with people and suddenly we're thrown into a space of having to confront really big feelings. And that's kind of what I want to land on today is the main goal of grief is to not resist it. And it will continue to show up until we take the time to sort through it and figure out what it is. Avoidance can indicate that we need to grieve. Anger can indicate that we need to grieve. Substance use and numbing and workaholism and anything we're using to distract ourselves. It can be a key indicator that we have some things to grieve. And I remember a year ago in April, I made a promise to myself. I said, I will not recover from how I choose to recover. I know I have huge addiction propensity in my life and I knew I didn't want to lean on something to numb myself throughout the healing process. But then there's good addictions and, and I've really utilized, frankly, positive addictions for this last year. And it's one of those things where they're not working anymore. And now what's showing up is just sadness. And so I'll often sit with clients and clients will have a lot of reflective moments about their week and they'll see thing and they'll say things like, oh, I got caught up in my feelings and and I'm like, good for you. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. When feelings show up, you're supposed to get caught up in them and process through them. Or they'll say, like, I was unexpectedly crying, and I'll say, Good for you. That sounds to me like we're putting emotions in motion, and that's a good thing. Or they might reflect on something and say, well, I was particularly sensitive. And I give them an girl or an attaboy and say, okay, so something's showing up and I'm wondering if we're willing to deal with it. And so I know for me, when I say that I've used positive addiction, one of the things I do to process through a lot of my big feelings is I use physical activity. So things like lifting and boxing, those have been my mainstay for the last calendar year. And they've gotten me through some of the toughest seasons, but they're also another form of self-soothing. They're also a way to numb at times. And, and I can process through emotions often, especially with boxing. I can conjure up certain things and use that energy and intensity to get out aggression. But to some extent, I'm still avoiding sitting in the sadness. I encourage clients often, and I myself really love creative expression. I encourage clients to channel art or music or creative writing, something that takes their sadness, their palpable grief, and puts it in motion in some sort of creative endeavor. For me, my favorite creative expression is dance. I love to turn on a whole host of different kinds of music and just move and use that as a medium for self-expression. And over this last week, as I said, I was putting together playlists. Music can cut me right through the heart. And I know it can do that with a lot of people. And it kind of broke open some new wells of sadness. And that's the nature of grief. And then sometimes I can't process it fully through physical activity or through creative expression. And so then I just have to sit with it and I have to talk about it and I have to reflect on it. Maybe I write about it. Sometimes I podcast about it. These are ways to make new meaning of things and process through them because grief is energy in motion. And when we stymie it, when we don't allow it to be heard, it's energy that gets trapped, but motion is still generated or energy is still generated. And it's missed opportunity to sit in the sadness of what could have been and what is and what will never be. So I do go to therapy and, you know, I, sh I share this quite often. I will process through my emotions in therapy. And in general, it's a super, super helpful practice. But it seems like there's so many things showing up right now that my one hour a week is just not going to help me sort through things effectively. So I'm having to find other strategies. And one of the strategies is acceptance.
accepting it and sitting with it, embracing it, holding it, understanding that it has a purpose. And the purpose is to feel it so I can heal it. The purpose is to sit with it and put energy in motion so I know how to move forward into a next chapter. Someday therapy for me will be proactive. It will be something to help me seek out wellness. But for right now, it's still reactive. I'm still trying to heal. And I'm trying to heal from something that ripped the foundation out from under me. And I'm sitting with the understanding that loss is part of life and change is part of life. And because those are true, grief is part of life. And that means feeling all of the things will have to happen if I expect to live well. And for you too, if you expect to live well, you're going to have to feel the feelings. You're going to have to find a way to channel them. You're going to have to find a way to put them into movement. And the beauty is we don't have to be scared of it because once it's in motion, we know we're doing the work to heal. And that's my wish for me and that's my wish for you. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good rest of your week. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.